Hey everyone, uh, this is uh, No Time for Time Travel again, and this is uh, me, uh, Tony, and Kwok. And today we're actually having a very special guest today. We are interviewing the CEO of Well Told Entertainment, Sam Warner. Hi Sam, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. Thank you guys for having me on. I'm I'm excited. This is my first podcast experience. So I'm I'm happy to be sharing this with you. I'm nervous. I'm I'm excited. It's just you know, happy to be. Yeah, yeah. We are trying to be as chill as possible, just like our our, <laughs> our regularly <laughs> scheduled. You've been great. You've been great yeah. so far. Yeah. So um, you know, today we're going to be talking about you know the the new uh, game coming up, the Foglands. But yes. before we get into that, right? Like, uh, I just want to ask you a little bit more about you, Sam Warner. You know, sure. Like, yes. What the most is interesting man in the world? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, like, I guess, like, just just to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, what's kind of like your background and, you know, how did you get into the gaming industry? Yeah, wow. It's it's kind of surreal being asked that question because I feel like it was just yesterday I was asking other people that question. Like, how the hell do I get in and make video games? Uh, but mostly because I, I've always wanted it. I feel like since, like, you know, I picked up a Lego for the first time, I was like, wow, oh, my God, I can build worlds. Um, and then, you know, discovering games and, and kind of getting uh, getting into that as a kid. Yeah, I just I think I was just so... Uh, enraptured at the idea of like a clockwork universe inside of a Game Boy or, you know, just something you could take with you. I, I felt like um, there's just so much potential for for storytelling and creating fun, making people happy. Um, and then, you know, I, I went to school for digital arts. I went to Chapman University with actually a lot of the people that I founded Well Told With. Um, so we all kind of graduated together. Um, and I found myself at that time, I was way more into art and I think like the design side of things, but I ended up having to do quite a lot of programming. Um, and so I, I, I found myself basically by the end of college with this really sort of breadth of knowledge about games that has, I, I think it's, it's probably helped me be, um, you know, a, a better leader, a, a little bit more of a, uh, I can comprehend kind of the different corners and aspects of game development. And then I, I figure it's probably worth mentioning for anyone curious. My first thing I ever did in the game industry was I was a QA intern at uh, Camouflage. Uh, they make uh, Republic Iron Man VR. Uh, this is probably something else new that I'm forgetting. Um, they were a great team to be a part of. And you don't often hear a lot of people intern as a QA person. But I, I just was like, I got to get my foot in the door. I <laughs> got to do anything to, to, to try and make games. Oh, that's awesome. So I guess like... Being an avid, you're pretty much like a, an avid gamer yourself. Then at some point, oh yeah, uh, what kind of games did you enjoy? Oh, it's a it's a hard question. It's a, I mean, it's it's an easy question. I can just start listing games, yeah. but I I think my own philosophy is I I really like games that do something new or something really well. And then kind of a sub priority is like things that focus on characters or games that have like really great loops. Um, so I, I guess the ones that I, at least that I've, I've, I've written down cause I didn't want to panic when you asked me these questions, <laughs> but I, I really liked, uh, vampire survivors recently. I put like hundreds of hours into that game. Uh, I've probably over a thousand in rim world. Um, uh, uh, I've, I've been road warden, which I hugely recommend. It's a narrative RPG with amazing music. I, I listen to that soundtrack constantly. Uh, I just finished resident evil eight. That game is a, like dumpster fire amazing chaotic experience that i loved every second of uh, in the best way kind of a dumpster fire yeah. um and then like, you know the weird thing like loop hero or oh, kittens yeah. game like these the kind of weird niche like uh fringe of the genre uh sort of experience yeah no i i think i totally share your similar interests in terms of like indie games because when you mentioned like loop hero and like vampire survivors like okay yeah that's that's definitely my jam right just like, I, just like, you just lose yeah. yourself in those games they, they they don't really mess with story even though it's there i think in both those games somewhat but they just they've they've doubled down on like the juiciest tightest loop it's just so satisfying i yeah. I, I love those games yeah it's, it's really great because because like you said it's just like they it's very simple but their right. core loop is so so simple and and fun and addicting Right. You just lose like hours on end. Uh, and it's just like, wow. I just, uh, I remember like with Vampire Survivor, I was like, I saw like a video of it. I was like, wow, there's, there's something I'll probably lose hours in. Yeah. I got, and I got, I was like, oh no, I lost hours in. 
I knew what but, I was getting into. <laughs> see, that's so funny. I, I had a friend, one of the, our, our, our lead engineer, uh, well told, he was like, Sam, you got to play this game. And he showed me this thing that looks like it was made in like Unity 3. Like it just looks, it lo- when, it, when it came out, that game looked like real rough. And I, I was like, why are you showing me this? This game doesn't, it looks like this is an, un, like, is this a demo? Is, do you know the person that made this game? He was like, no, no, no. It's just a really good game. And so I, you know, downloaded it. And yeah, lo and behold, a hundred hours later, I was just like, when's the next update? I want to get that. I want to get that next weapon. I want to get that next character. Like, give me more. It, and it's been a great drip feed. Like the, the, the marketing team and the, the development team over there, they really know what their community wants. They just keep adding really cool stuff. And I think to go off that, like what I really enjoy, I might be wrong, but I think that was done by like one developer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or, or close to. Yeah. Yeah. It's like very small, super small team. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, what they did that I enjoy was like, they didn't have any of like those big game company, like uh, buy extra DLC sort of thing where, yeah. or is it update? Like, okay. There's, here's like five more characters. He's all this extra stuff and it's all free. And just like, it's like the games back then where you buy a package and that's, you get the whole package rather than like, Here's, yeah. here's, here's like the core game. It has like one level. And then the DLC will come out in like two weeks. That'll cost you another 50 bucks. <laughs> yeah. And then exactly. that's level two. Until then, you're like, okay, well, I guess so. You're just buying like sequences and sequences. And to see a game done like that in a in a state of, I would say like polish in a sense of gameplay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also being able to uh, accommodate for like all of the the players, like the the mindset, like okay, we get a full game and it's right. affordable, it's like three bucks or something like that. Yeah, I was like, you get three bucks for all this stuff, and it's just like free updates for like everything. Yeah. And the next time, and I think they're coming up with a, like a not DLC, but like a version or like a second one or something like I that. I think is it a sequel? sequel. Yeah, the, the the press around that game is just nuts because I'm pretty sure I saw that they're trying to make a TV show. I, I I like they like and then like you said, it's just every time there's an update, Kotaku, all these all these places just pick it up, they run with it. They're like, oh my god, more vampire survivors. It's a it's just a hit in the in the best, the clearest definition of the term. And I I think it's probably like the dream of every indie developer to find that. And maybe I don't speak for everybody, but I think I think you look at games like Deep Rock Galactic or uh for a while like uh rim world um or obviously um you know, vampire survivors and it's these games that have super great loops super expandable loops almost like begging to just have dlc added to them but because they treat their community with so much respect they just kind of keep adding to the game and it by word of mouth the the like value proposition of that game gets spread to so many other people and so you know you just end up having kind of a steady stream of people trying your game because they know you care about it and you you keep it and, and the other one like stardew valley that's another one they you know it's just very very uh earnestly loving and developing this game for a community that loves it if not more, just as much as that developed. It's really cool to see. While you guys are talking about that, I was favoriting that on my Steam list. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Everyone should play Vampire Survivors. And it's it's yeah. very simple. Like I, for listeners who don't know what it is, uh, look it up. And that, but it's essentially just kind of like very rough pixel art uh, where yeah. your characters just move up, down, left, right, and you're surrounded by enemies just slowly encroaching you. You just kill them with like some special random moves. Yeah, uh, shoots like you don't really control much. Uh, the most the moves are, or most of like the attacks are um, automated. Yeah, so you just move around and dodge, and all you and you just kill them. They drop loot, and you upgrade loot, and you get random thing. It just goes on for an hour. You're like, wow, this. How did I lose eight hours? It's, <laughs> yeah, I do the whole day. Yeah, I think the aesthetic <laughs> yeah. is like vaguely Castlevania, also. So there's just oh, yeah. this little nostalgia kick every time you know something happens. It, yeah, it's a great package. I, I really yeah. like it. it. It reminds me of like a combination of like Smash TV and Raiden Fighters or Dondonpachi yeah. and just like all that stuff mixed together. And it looks. I'm looking at the video from Steam, and it's it's just like very satisfying to even see that happen yeah so I, I think that's what hooked me is like maybe maybe it's not like a, a um there's it's 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 very indie it's a very indie game it's a lot of just simple sprites kind of like you know moving around the screen but the uh the sort of spectacle of what might your build how devastating could your build be that's that's something that they really got right from the very beginning it's really yeah. cool to see yeah i think one thing that i, I kind of enjoy was just like seeing um 
the evolution of an indie game, like, uh, and how much they progress. Like, uh, obviously, you start, they started out as an in small indie game, and they grew, and then people knew about it. Uh, and then the, with, like, the sequel and everything, I saw, like, they had, like, a marketing team or something where they had, like, animated stuff. Yeah. Like, uh, like really well-done animation and everything just to market the thing, almost, uh, like, Dead Cell sort of uh, yeah. style. Right, right. And I was, and I was like, wow, I'm, I'm so proud of them. Like, they grew from such, like, a, a small game to, like, getting tons of hits from like a lot of streamers and like gamers yeah now they're moving on to like something big uh where they actually have um animators com- uh, yeah animated like, trailers for the next series and like you said sam like potential like web series or or just like tv right. show sort of thing and that's like wow that's, i'm so happy bro yeah i mean i i think it's sort of a at that point uh it takes a lot of work i, I don't want to minimize it but it's sort of like an if you build it they will come like there's mm-hmm. already such a fan base so many people that are just clamoring for more of that vampire survivors energy that you know capitalizing on that or expanding that brand so that you're really giving your your community more to engage with is like a really it's just it's just really good indie development and i feel like a, a, a even bigger one for that is like inner sloths um among us like obviously that that has permeated every single corner of the universe <laughs> among us is everywhere but you know that started as such a tiny little thing that um that then you know what became beloved over time and then the demand for it grew such that there was you know, vr games and there's tv shows if i don't know i mean it's just it's such a huge brand now so yeah it's really cool to see small devs get hits like that that's the dream <laughs> Yeah, and you know, speaking of about devs, of course, we're here to talk about um, you know, Well Told and oh, sure. Well Told Entertainment, right? So, you know, like can you kind of give a little bit of like a history about, you know, how did that start like when you you said you were you co-founded with a bunch of friends, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I did. They, yeah, can you kind of give us a little bit? That was an interesting story. I kind of read a little bit about it on sure. a Well Told's a blog about yeah. like, you know, um who are we? Do, yeah. Yeah. Who are you guys and doing <laughs> right. things that, you know, most co- companies or people tell you not to do? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because I, right. I felt the same way. So I, I run an escape room. I co- co-founded one with my oh, friends very cool. as well. What? That's yeah. that's like the dream. I want to talk about that. You sure you, sure you guys want to talk about Well Told? I want to know more about this. <laughs> that's okay. But that's really cool. So you you, you do that. And so you, you're, you're familiar with the kind of uh, taking something from nothing to something. Uh, it, yeah. Okay. That's cool. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so like for you guys like how did that kind of kind of start um like when did you decide like why why did you decide to start up you know well told or how did it come about was there like a whole one day it just happened or it kind of like grew over time like how did that work it's like a, I, I, a lot of things there's like so many sort of vectors i feel like that that led to the moment you know, there's there's like the silly things like being in college with a group of friends that I really care about and that I still get to see every day because we started a company and you know just joking at the time like ha ha what if we started a game company wouldn't that be silly ha ha and then we did or um like looking more strategically at how we started well told and describing it in an intellectual way as we saw a gap in the market for character driven experiences in emerging technologies and we decided to capitalize I, I'm not going to give you that line because really the truth is uh, we decided to use the word innovative as a replacement for knowledgeable when we started Well Told. We did not know how to make video games. It's like it's like starting a band when nobody knows how to play their instruments. We were just like, all right, we're a band now. Um, and so, but what we did have, I think, was like a really strong set of ethics and morals and sort of like creative ambitions that we did want to bring uh, together and keep a group of people together. So we, we were the, the ambition there, I think, was we don't really care about AR and VR. We might not even really care about games. That's where we're called well-told entertainment. But what we really do care about is having a great group, a great culture to make creative projects with that we believe. And I think that that at the core, like not to mince words, is is really probably the strongest driving force at Well Told. Um, obviously, we want our fans to know that we 100% care about Foglands and games and making those things. Um, but to make those things the way we want to make them, I think we have to have, we, we started with, anyway, a lot of respect for each other and wanting to make sure that we kind of carried each other through. As you know, starting in an escape room, kind of the, the, the rough and tumble, very capitalistic experience of starting a company. And then, you know, the last lens 
which isn't the fun lens. It's the fun. It's the lens that that everybody doesn't want to talk about. It's sort of just like what problems exist in the in the media space, specifically in the game industry, that make it difficult for people to break into the game industry. Which is a question that we started with, kind of at this. You know, how did I get here? Um, it was hard. I had some really bad experiences at some companies before I started Well Told with my friends, and um, I think they did too. I was just looking around, you know, you get out of college, everybody has that question of like, what am I going to do when I grow up? Um, and and I think that we decided to sort of embrace that uh, uh, insecurity, start something ourselves, believe in and invest in ourselves a little bit, um, and then and try to just do our own thing in the face of um, these other studios that we had just had such kind of negative experiences with. Uh, and that, that I think that describes maybe the question you're asking, which is like, why did we start Well Told? The question of how we started Well Told is probably completely different. And I, I'll pause to, we don't need to go there, but that that is like a, a I, I don't want to neglect that there's a lot of, um, you know, uh, a lot of blood, sweat, tears, and privilege that have gone into, I think, a successfully starting a game company. And if we want to go there, we can. But but obviously, yeah, we're we're just excited that that we have had an opportunity to stay together and make the things that we believe in well told. That's that's kind of why. I, I think one thing that you mentioned that uh, I found kind of interesting because it seems like after college, you guys went uh, your separate ways, try to break into the industry, and then somehow like you guys came back together, like. So I guess did you guys just kept in contact with each other all this time or? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we all lived together. uh, A lot of us uh, were very close together. And so when we came, I think it just uh, the the chain of events was, you know, I mentioned to somebody at our university, like, hey, let's like, I I think it would be fun to just start our own our own company. Like, wouldn't that be weird? And they were like, hey, we have this like kind of empty building that's just full of workspaces and we don't know how to use it or what to do with it or if people are going to use it at all what if you just put a desk in there and pull the team together and um i had this really like early job i was like making uh, ar vr kids books so like um, leveraging some technology you point your phone at a book and like 3d stuff pops off the the page and um and so I tapped Jen, who's our animation director and kind of one of our like story supervisors, and Mark, who is my partner on Foglands as our thesis in school. And um, I just said like, hey guys, do you want to just work on this gig with me? We have this weird office space at our alma mater. Like, do we do we want to try? And they were both almost like instantly like, yes, <laughs> yes, please, God. Um, and, and I think at the time, yeah, we were all kind of just working odd jobs, just trying to, you know, make rent and stay in, in the LA area. And, um, and so then, you know, with more and more of these kind of projects, we pulled more and more people in and we went from pretending to be a game company to kind of pretending a little less to be a game company. I I still feel like we're pretending a game company, but yeah, that's, that's kind of where, where did the word, um, where did the name come from? Well, told. Oh, good question. Yeah, um, it's it's a uh, it's largely because of a friend, family member of the of the studio's original founding. He was our uh, mentor and supervisor at uh, Chapman. Um, his name is Bill Croyer. He's also the director of Fern Gully. Um, so he's just like the smartest dude in uh, entertainment, and and he really just kind of coached us from being complete noobs about storytelling to like how valuable and important storytelling is uh, in in you know entertainment products, you know whether that's games or film or TV or whatever. Um, but one of the things that he kind of it's it's a chain really, but he he would always say we're here to to make great stories well told or good stories well told, um, and and it just having a good story did not matter as much. Uh, if if you didn't tell that story well, uh, the articulation, the expression of that story matters as much as just saying, I have a really cool idea for a story. And here it is. And that actually comes from um, Andrew Stanton, the director of uh, Finding Nemo and and some of the other Pixar films. He's, he's a huge name at, at Pixar and just in the in the animation industry in general. And even that then comes from Mark Twain. 
Um, and the quote there, I have it written down because I, I forget it sometimes. And then I seem silly that I don't know like where our company name come from. Uh, but it, it's, I like a good story well told. That is the reason I am sometimes forced to tell them myself. And I love the entrepreneurial spirit in that statement. I love the idea of taking control of of doing what you want, saying what you want, and not really letting anyone stop. Um, and so in that way, I think at the end of the day, well told isn't that we do tell good stories. People are going to rip us apart when this game comes out, probably, and be like, yeah, it's not a good story. Why are you guys even called well told? That's dumb. But it's an aspiration. It's it's something that we try to do all the time is to tell a good story well. That's really cool. That's a really awesome um, kind of like origin story of like. Oh, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, oh, that, yeah. That's well sweet. That's really sweet. Thank you. I'm yeah, I'm it's, it's you a, don't have that like postered on like your your wall or in your room or anything just to always remember it or something like that. Yeah, well, it's, it, I think that's why we decided to call the name or you know name the company after that ambition. Um, it's just impossible for us to forget. And, you know, at, at times we do. At times we're like, what are we doing? And, and you know, we kind of just have to come back to the fact that stories do matter to us, even if we're making games with a lot of action or a lot of gameplay. Um, and we can't neglect that. Uh, yeah. I, I think having worked with Jen, uh, the animation director on thing, like we talked about it. And I think it was great to hear uh, her, uh, I guess, like share the same thing. Uh, yeah, thing, sure. Where it's just like, oh, yeah, she where she mentioned that she always tried to get um, a good story in, or a like good narrative in to mm-hmm. like the, the gameplay moments and have the player experience those moments well. Right. And uh, it, it's great to just hear like uh, you, Sam, as well as Jen, and probably the others as well, uh, sharing the same belief and it's resonating with everybody uh, that works inside the company. Yeah. Yeah, it, it does seem to resonate. I mean, you always have, I think, in a team, a spread of people that are like, I love gameplay. I could care less about story or like story is everything. And I want that. And I don't really care about like the action verbs that I might do in the game. Um, but I think uh, even going back to like vampire survivors, there's just enough like drip feed, cohesion, lore, tone, theme, whatever you want to call it. It sort of ties it all together you know it, it it it's important not to neglect that there is a narrative you know and probably in every single game even like original mario or pac-man you know there's there's something there that you're like what the heck is this why am i doing this somebody explain to me why i'm a yellow dot eating other dots um and and i think uh for our team we just try to strike that balance of listening to people that prioritize those those things story or gameplay um differently and then bring them together that's like the ultimate dream is if we can do that well at some point in the lifetime of well told uh we'll have i think we've really found a path to um making like successful video games by our own definition who who cares whatever everyone else says just we have brought narrative and gameplay together in a satisfying way boom we can die happy (laughs) i think everybody at the team uh, kind of feels that way. Oh, that's, uh, that sounds pretty awesome. It's pretty, essentially just being like the the Pixar for games at, at this stage. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a high bar, man. <laughs> Don't set me up for that. Yeah, no, I I I can see the point. That I, it, it's yeah. I was actually just talking to one of my uh, our our lead technical designer, um, and uh, we were talking about our next games and kind of what we want to make next. And one of the things that came up was how we evolve like our internal. The pillars, you know, things that we believe in just as we've learned so much from Foglands. And uh, one of the things that we really want to figure out how to sort of crystallize is, you know, always be asking, where's the heart? And I feel like you brought up Pixar. That's something that like their best movies have that sort of like message theme again, lore. I don't know. It's a it's a confluence of so many things, but it's a heart it's a, it's it's not necessarily preachy, but it's something that you learn or that you reflect on. You ask yourself questions like, "Where, what, what have I, what am I?" You know, when I experience this film or this game or whatever. And so, you know, that that I think we definitely want to take from Pixar. Uh, you know, aside from Andrew, everything Andrew Stanton has ever said, we'll we'll keep taking quotes from him and naming after, <laughs> after his quotes, but also this the heart thing. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, I, I so guess that. The- yeah so yeah quite oh yeah so so now we're we're kind of into that whole like talking about you know developing a great game we can actually talk about foglands the foglands oh sure so um yeah so yeah 
like uh okay so for those of you who don't know the foglands was recently announced back in february with a with a trailer a teaser trailer and it's going to be available for it was advertised for psvr2 yes. um yeah can you tell us a little bit more about the game before we get into some you know more details about it yes yeah absolutely um so uh we're kind of at a very high level uh describing it as like a story rich action adventure game it happens to be a roguelike uh roguelite i should say i wow you you guys you have to edit out roguelike i i can't be seen saying roguelike instead of roguelite that's ridiculous i'm 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 just kidding but and it did just it it's hard to know the difference we're making a roguelite though um and it's a it's a uh kind of action driven experience uh, but there's also like tons of story also you know present um and one of the things that i guess you know we we point to um things that that inspire the game are uh you know hades is great action roguelite experience um i don't know if you've played uh, a lot of the vr stuff but we we keep coming back to gorn uh, which is sort of like a physics driven very violent gladiator game um and then of course like half-life alex that's a big big point of reference um and then um at least for like kind of the immersive style roguelite combo matic stuff that you kind of expect out of a game like that we we come back to noida and uh prey moon crash which was also sort of like a first person roguelite um so yeah it, it's kind of a combination of of all those things the the big focus i think that we have uh in combat you know if we're, if we're digging a little deeper um is is on what we call bar fight combat and so we showed this off in the trailer like you know you've got guns and you've got uh you know you can punch stuff um but we really want the player to be focusing on how can they use their environment to better achieve victory in these sort of like no holds barred combat encounters um with monsters and other people out there in the fogland um and so that just means that uh you know you're picking up bottles and smashing them over people's heads or you know punching people to knock them down and then taking out your gun using some of your limited ammo to, to take out a couple other guys that might be shooting at you um so it's definitely like just trying to get into that kind of a little bit of that cowboy fantasy um and then i guess i can touch really quickly on the story or just like what what you're even doing in this game you play as a a runner just sort of a self-made um identity uh, player player fantasy for this game um it takes place in a post-apocalyptic world far away um and as a runner you're sort of responsible for a community um that is surviving in the fog lands. and the fog if you breathe it it turns you into a crazy monster it's transformed all of the planet since whenever it emerged um and so you as a runner are kind of like this tomb raider cowboy peacekeeper that's out to save their community from a ginormous worm that's that's basically the plot stop the big worm um, and uh it definitely goes off the rails from there that sounds awesome um i how did like the name fogland like obviously like that's like the fog and the land and everything but what's the origin of it like what's the story how did you guys come up with the story uh, not, or the gameplay yeah so that's a that's a um there's a lot of different ways that it really like came into existence i want to make sure i call out my partner mark uh he's one of our co-founders as well he's been very much like the creative driver of the universe um and all the wildest things that kind of come out of it i'm pretty sure every enemy in the game sort of like tumbled out of his head and into the arms of like our our wonderful team um you know bringing them to life uh, but the the like very first origin of like what if there was a world covered in fog uh, you know i i live in seattle i grew up in seattle and i i just distinctly remember so i think it was in like early college i'm standing at the bottom of a hill and it's just super foggy and i was standing uh at you know looking up at a bunch of uh stoplights you know they're just kind of like clicking on and off in the fog and you can't see anything because it's so foggy except for these glowing what look like eyes high above you and i i just was like this is a really cool setting i i i want to be here in a game and have like cowboy music and spooky monsters crawling around um and then you know just to point at some actual like concrete things that kind of you know where, where did i where did i take that curiosity with fog um i absolutely love frank darabont's the mist that movie is awesome 
and and just so inspirational i think for the like what could be around the next corner um that's that's coming out i think in foglands um another movie is like once upon a time in the west if you bring that up with jen she'll talk your ear off about that movie i think it's one of our favorites collectively on the team um and then just a lot of us come from places where there's just like a weirdly high connection with water and and just like kind of those earthly land-based connections so like i'm i'm from seattle mark's from oregon our cto's from florida um it's just it it, i think it's kind of in our dna how much we love just the different forms that water takes um and so we just really felt like naming the game and really fleshing the world out of the foglands um was a great way to sort of bucket a, a, an untold number of stories they, that could take place in this real uh, yeah it, it just feels like it's starting and it, it kind of maybe always has it feels like a reflection of home maybe but my home also doesn't have scary monsters in it at least i don't <laughs> yeah, think so. maybe my daughter maybe my like two-year-old daughter yes She's the scary monster in the Foglands that is that is real life. Yeah. All the enemies are based off of her. Essentially. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> her screeches and roars. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You just record her at home. Just throw it in the game. <laughs> I've I've sneakily pushed our uh, Rachel, our sound designer, a couple of recordings. I think just like, hey, if you want to use this, go for it. And uh, no, nobody wants to listen to a baby scream. But maybe that's what makes it good. I, I don't know. Uh, speaking of sound, um, I think when I first saw in the trailer, there were lots of positive comments about like the the music of it. Oh yeah, uh, and is that like That's so good uh, original <laughs> music, or is that something based off somewhere else? Or yeah, yeah. It so it's it's absolutely original music. Um, but I am going to first and foremost say Jason Gallaty is our composer. Uh, he is a genius. Um, he did the soundtrack for Cana Bridge of Spirits. Uh, and he, uh, you know, he's basically been a part of Foglands and sort of the creative team for Foglands uh, from kind of the beginning. We were we were um, neighbors for a long time. And then I, I actually, you know, we we got to uh, kind of just connect over like our love of music and our love of nature and, and stuff. And so Jason, I think, has really taken um, maybe some of the more uh i don't know if it's one dimensional flatter depictions of like westerns and post-apocalypse things that maybe feel like uh there's there's been a traditional way to express those universes but then he's really applied a lot of his own um creative talents and creative vision to what can you do with a post-apocalyptic western universe and so i mean obviously you heard it hip-hop flamenco noise and drone there's just a lot going on inside of our soundtrack. And, and one of the coolest things I can share about um, Jason's process is he actually went to Vermont um, in for a few months. I think it was in the fall of last year, so 2022. Um, and he went to this place called Anarchestra, where they had basically like a warehouse full of instruments made out of like old airplane engines or like crazy drums made out of, uh, you know, like rusting machines. And he, he kind of refabbed or uh, what's the word? Re, uh, re, rehabilitated, I guess, a lot of these instruments and then did full capture recordings of. And so our soundtrack, of course, it has like traditional banjo, guitar, trumpet, all these wonderful like traditional western sounding instruments but is backed up by an instrument made of apocalyptic trash which i think is probably the coolest it, for me it's the coolest part of our soundtrack um and and then there's some other really really great things that, that jason's brought to the table um and some other really great collaborators that he's worked with um that that are um that have basically just elevated foglands and its soundtrack beyond what i or, or really mark and i could have ever imagined it yeah it was so funny reading the comments because like like the, the theme music in the trailer was amazing and everyone mm-hmm. kept like asking oh what is the name of it and of right. course it's not out yet right right so but it was yeah, a really funny custom. to see that yeah, yeah yeah definitely um yeah so like the music is so cool the other thing i want to mention too is like the character designs like sure. yeah in the trailers a lot of it felt you know um there's a lot of innovative like creatures and then there's also some familiarity like for me like i'm a big mortal Kombat fan so i noticed some of like some elements that kind of remind me of sure you know, 
Mortal Kombat. I think you might know what I'm talking about. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got the flat. What's his name? Lao, Lao Kang? Kung, no, Kung Lao, I... yeah. Kung Lao, there we go. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> butchered that. But yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, very yeah. strong character designs. Yeah, so like, was that character design like... Um, like how did how did you guys come up with that? Like was that kind of everybody had input, or was there a specific design team? Like how does that come about? Yeah, so I, I used to draw characters in like the Foglands universe all the time, and it's pretty easy. You just put a trench coat and a gas mask on somebody, and it's like boom, they're in Foglands, easy. Um, and I think as we sort of pushed past that, um, and over the years, obviously the aesthetics I think of Apocalyptica has has changed or been it's just well trodden ground. You know, you look at Fallout, you look at early versions of what Fortnite is. You know, there's there's definitely a common uh, or you know or Stalker or uh, there's just tons of games that do the the, the that aesthetic. Uh, what ended up happening was you know as more and more people kind of fell in love with what Foglands was and what it could become we just had more and more people drawing and adding to that universe so there's characters that we haven't even announced that uh that are pushing the boundaries of what i think you would see in like a western post-apocalyptic game maybe the maybe the poster child for that at least that people have seen so far is the stranger he's weird uh he's, he's the guy with the hat he just just called the stranger. He's got no other name in this game, um, and he is uh, very enigmatic, almost you know, magical, I, I would say. Um, but you kind of he walks this line of like, is he wh where does he fit in this universe? Is he an ally? Is he a puppet master? Is he more nefarious? Is he dark? Um, and and I think that expanding the universe to that kind of character rather than just a bunch of dudes in trench coats and gas masks that came from outside of and and outside of mark so I, I think that the the expansion of the universe and the color that's really been added to the universe is in large part thanks to our amazing team uh, they they really like brought out that sort of miyazaki-esque breadth of emotional range um, so that we aren't we aren't just looking at a bunch of sad people running around being sad and shooting each other. There's all this range of levity and comedy and horror and drama and earnestness, I think, in in our message, in, in the story and characters of Fogland. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another, like like you said about that whole feeling of it. Right. Like I also felt like not only was the character design, you know, super cool and just gave you that feeling of like this is a really cool, unique space, but also like. The, the voice of the stranger was really cool too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So I was wondering too, like for the voice actors, like how did that come about? Did you like, um, did you interview voice actors and hire them? And was there a direction on, you know, the, how these voices sounded or was it yeah. kind of like more the actors doing their own thing? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I can't stress enough uh, for a new new ish studio or a studio that, you know, has made a lot of helped make a lot of games. And this is our first game that we're really you know big and we're working with some really cool partners and all that stuff. We had to generate like the entire pipeline for VO voice voiceover and, and voice actor management and all the technical stuff that goes into making sure that our characters animate and and emit sound and uh the subtitle and the, the the words all all of that is sort of like coming together in a in the proper and and kind of clean way so um all of the genius for making that happen thankfully is outside of my hands <laughs> i had almost nothing to do with that what I what I definitely did um, try my best to do is create safe spaces um, and and just uh, time and and uh, kind of boundaries for uh, people like our lead writer Anna Webster. She's incredible. She is the most amazing person and and knocked the story out of the park with everything that we really tried to do and you know a lot of it really starts with with her and her amazing words but then from there we really have to find actors that and actresses that embody those characters you know that she you know when she puts pen to page that she's um we're finding people that sort of match those and so yeah the stranger immediately we were like well we got to get gianni we, we he's got it we got to get him in here and, and do some lines there and he was a perfect fit easy uh our narrator who you haven't heard yet um who uh is is actually like an older version of the character that you play as um he's played by miles cranford he's uh been in hollywood forever and he actually voiced the original cinematic that mark and i made when we were students in college uh that that was the first thing we ever made for foglands and so when we asked him to come back he was like 
before the first sentence ended, he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm in. Like, yeah, just put, put me in the game, coach. But then there have also been some really tough to find uh, actors and actresses. Um, like uh, our most character, our most difficult character to find uh, was actually for a character, Shandine. You saw her in the trailer. Uh, she's kind of trapped in that like weird liminal orange space and says Jim for like half a second before we cut to something else. Um, we really wanted to find somebody of Navajo descent to play that character. And it just turns out that it's very difficult. Um, it, I shouldn't say difficult. It, it takes quite a lot of time to find someone uh, that fits that profile, but that also fits the character as written. And so we took a lot of time to find the right person for that role. We're really, really happy with the person that we found. She's she's amazing. And I think really carries a lot of that heart that we were talking about earlier um, that, that we want to make sure is present in the game. Yeah, so I guess like, oh, you were mentioning like, because it's like your first game or like World Toad's first game uh, and you partner everything. Like I noticed this with PlayStation. Yeah. How did how did that partnership go about? Like, did you approach them? Did they approach you? What's the process like with that? Yeah, I mean, I mentioned it a little earlier. I feel like a lot of um, a lot of what we've done at Well Told has been thanks to luck and thanks to privilege and thanks to uh, I just kind of getting up after every time we fall over um, and just keep we just we want to make games the way we want to make them with the people we want to make them with and so you know it's been a long time a lot of years well told has been around since 2000 uh, 2012 uh maybe was when we really officially turned into an llc um so yeah we're like uh somehow at like 11 years of operation and that you know this is the first game that we're really making ourselves um and and i i think uh to the luck point, I'll point at Callum Underwood and Gwen Foster. They're two people that we reached out to uh, to kind of just be like, hey, we're a studio that doesn't know how the game industry works. Like, can we, we, we know we want to make games. We know we have this cool property. We've got a really great prototype for it. Can you help us find somebody that'll help us fund it? And, and the two of them coached me with a lot of pitching, coached, uh, you know, a lot of our co-founders with sort of like how we architect the universe to be a little bit more in line with um, sort of the the modern day demands of maybe what the industry itself is looking for. Um, and then we had an opportunity to get that, you know, and sit in front of um, Sony, uh, you know, specifically uh, uh, Greg Rice uh, and uh, Sean Benson over there uh, and just sort of like do the song and dance pitch of hey, this is our this is our weird Foglands game. Do you guys want to make this? And um, they were absolutely um, you know excited to see uh, to to give us the opportunity to to make that game. Um, and then you know a big part of that also is just you know the, the like that maybe people don't talk about too much is like navigating those deal terms and you know is it's as a small studio it's kind of always been a little bit of like a high five and a handshake and then money shows up but we really wanted to make sure that you know all of the the terms were structured well and so again callum and gwen and um our our uh, kind of business development team at well told we just worked with sony to to figure out exactly how how long we would need and you know what the what our resources were and um and so you know we finally got that started uh you know god that was like over two years ago we're we're coming coming up on our our launch at some point this year <laughs> i should know how long it's been um but yeah we we just um we've just really loved working with Sony and and working on their kind of new hardware, but we we got the game funded with them and started development before PSVR two was even announced. You know, it's sort of like we walked into the room on on kind of a, a hunch, <laughs> more than anything that they were working on that hardware, and uh, and so you know I I uh, I think we just were taking a big swing at hey these are the things that we believe in as a game studio. Do you guys like this too? And luckily, there was a huge match uh, to be made there between us and Sony. So yeah, we're we're really lucky, really happy to be working with them, and it's been it's been pretty smooth sailing so far. It's a it's a great great group over there. That's nice. But I, I guess that you were saying like you had PSVR wasn't or two wasn't really out yet. So did you pitch to them that it was like a gonna be a, a VR game, or did they say we want a VR game? <laughs> so at the time, uh, it was a lot more like okay who's who's funding vr content and and it was meta 
and uh actually maybe they were facebook still or oculus at the time i don't really remember um but the it was them and it was uh, it was sony and and anyone else that was funding vr content was funding stuff at very very small groups um and and for very tight timelines and so we kind of just went to sony thinking hey why not like we we've got grand plans here let's see if this sticks and uh, it kind of came out through the process that they were looking at taking that next step with their hardware. Um, and it just lined up for us to sort of um, get in early, understand what their goals were, and then, you know, even kind of modify some of the plans for our experience to fit a little bit better on their platform. Um, it wasn't, it was not much, not, you know, it, it was really, if, if I can uh, be optimistic, I think it was only improvements that we made thanks to what the PSVR 2 is possible or makes possible um, because of its its hardware and its afford or its uh, affordances. Yeah. Was so like, I, I guess ahead. like I have a related question. So yeah, we did like, you know, um, ask our listener community if they had any specific questions for Vogelins. This, this kind of relates to what you said um, from Barry White. <laughs> That's his. That's his name on yeah. on you know, but, <laughs> Barry but, White. Yes, <laughs> Barry White uh, from the Super Best Friend Video Game Sleepover Podcast. Um, he says, as an owner of an original PSVR, what are some ways that Well Told Games is leveraging the PSVR two hardware for the Poglands? Yeah, this is a super good question, and I I don't uh, I don't want to be vague because uh, I I told you guys I'm not here to <laughs> to wave it, you know. Uh, fl flags that don't have a whole lot of substance on them. Um, but I think there are a couple of things that we want to play a little closer to the chest about how we're expressing uh, that hardware. I, I, I won't, uh, those are just little things, things that are small. But the big thing that I want to talk about that we're leveraging for uh, from PSVR 2 um, is something that we've called uh, in intention targeting with eye tracking. Um, so when we pitched to Sony, we had this game feature that was sort of like a Zelda Z target um, where like you hold a button down and you like lock on a character or, you know, I guess uh, Dark Souls, it does that too. Um, but we uh, really like the affordance in VR of leveraging where your head is looking as like a gameplay verb, because obviously, you know, where your head is aiming is where you're seeing. And so we can use that data to sort of drive additional systems. We, we want to use head tracking. Uh, with traditional VR headsets to sort of decide what am I targeting right now? Um, and then what we do with PSVR 2 is actually leverage where your eyes are looking to determine what you're targeting. And so where you look is where you are going to either, you know, if you look at that wrench and you want to pick it up, you can look at it and then press the grab button and, you know, that wrench flies into your hand. Uh, if you want to then throw that wrench at that enemy that's kind of like halfway across the room like i i'm just gonna like baseball pitch this thing as long as you're looking at that enemy and you kind of just do the throw gesture we calculate the arc to get it there and just thwonk that guy and that's sort of just to back up the player fantasy of uh you're a runner you're you're a badass you know capable fighter um, and and really the that um, kind of uh, I guess that like bit of hand holding that we do is to smooth out some of the friction of throwing in VR and and also leverage this really powerful new technology of eye tracking. The other stuff that we're doing with eye tracking with other pieces of the PSVR two hardware, I think, are more fun to leave for players as they experience it as little little tiny mysteries. But I'd say that's like a back of the box sort of feature that we're really using PSVR two complex. That is really, really cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you think so. <laughs> yeah, because like I've heard just in the, you know, some some vague articles here and there about the eye tracking feature, but don't really know like how it is implemented. So that's really cool to see like how you guys are implementing that for the Foglands. Yeah, I think man, that's that's crazy. Just imagining like how much more immersive it can be with, you know, eye tracking. Yeah, so. it, it really is. I, I think it's just super nice to know uh that there's more data as a developer we can use to create a more immersive experience and we had all these grand plans and we still do to to go deeper but i think that when the rubber hits the road on game development and you really start having to shave things down we all really rallied around like hey throwing a wrench at a guy in a bar fight combat game should just be really cool like that should just feel awesome and we have had you know set a few things aside in order to make sure that that's really good but if anything that's just you know more ammo for the next one so yeah we're just really really fond of uh of all of the different affordances that that headset gives us so when you guys were testing out that feature like 
I just imagine like a whole bunch of people just lining up and want to throw like wrenches at random things at the far <laughs> distance and just have competition. It's like just, just yeah. test it out. It's like, oh, it sounds like really fun. Just do that. It it is. It and it's it's a it's a it's kind of a blessing and a curse. We call it intention targeting because obviously what we're trying to do is sort of capture what you want to do. Like what are you what are you intending to do in our video game? And then how do we make sure that that thing happens? And, you know, the the cause and effect of I point a gun at a guy and shoot is really familiar. But uh, the cause and effect of I'm trying to throw a wrench at someone and it doesn't always get there is kind of unsatisfying. And so we were like, okay, well, we're going to just make sure that we remove the unsatisfying part, make sure that the thing gets there. And as soon as we did that, you're, you're spot on. People were like, I want to throw a wrench at that target. I want to throw a wrench at that light. I want to throw a wrench at that other wrench. And you just start to get into this design space that's completely new where you're like, what are we supposed to do with all of the scope here? So, you know, it's it's something we've we've probably uh, we've had to limit. We're, we're not the biggest team in the world, but we, uh, you know, we, we want people to express that agency. We want people to have fun with it. Um, and, and we think we're on the right track with with how it feels so we'll see how much uh, more we get to kind of push into it um, with post-launch and and you know other stuff that we i'm really excited for that feature because i'm just thinking about like all the vr games that i've played um i i have a quest uh, one it's still old school sure sure yeah it's valid <laughs> um, yeah but like you know i get frustrated every time there's a point where i have to throw something because yeah. i i'm like this doesn't feel like throwing in real life i have to calibrate myself to be like i gotta throw in this virtual world with a weird motion that i'm not used to yeah. so yeah like it just seems like it, it's weird how i'm excited to to uh get my hands on that new throwing motion with eye tracking <laughs> yeah right it and it it does require both because like i said we had it set up where you just used your head direction but there's so mm -hmm. much difference between just like kind of the really broad angle of where is my head versus like i'm like looking at this thing and we know you're looking this thing so all of a sudden the like targeting detail that you can get out of a, a, a feature like this is um well it's just huge it's it's like uh yeah it's it's sort of like going from like the n64 to the gamecube i'm old school i don't know that's my that's my barometer <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a big leap i think yeah. in hardware capability yeah that's a really cool feature um are there any other unique gameplay elements that in, in the game that you want to share as well besides like those eye tracking Sure. Yeah, I'll share. I'll share some. Um, so like I, I keep saying, we've been really trying to prioritize uh, bar fight combat. Um, and one of the critiques that I know we saw in the trailer was like, oh, it's another shooting game. And yeah, there are guns in our game, but there's not really like gun modding. Uh, there's a range of weapons. You know, you just like a pistol. There's a shotgun. There's a machine gun. There's some really weird things that we also put in there, too. Um but it's not we don't want it to just be about shooting. We want there to be sort of a, like a scarcity element to it. We want there to be a bit of survival horror. So you're not just walking into every room and just blowing everything away with your gun. Um, and also we want to express builds that you can, you know, get from our ability cards, you know, that that are like, I want to be punch guy this time or I want to be throw guy this time or I want to be shoot guy. You know, it's just all valid. We want people to play how they want to play. But the thing that I want to share that I am very proud of and very excited for people to see and find and do themselves is uh, we have made it a feature so that uh, when you damage enemies with different weapons, they apply like different uh, knockout damage. And knockout damage you don't see, but it's basically like how close is this enemy to being like a ragdoll? Like you just doink, you know, knock them out and then they're down for a few seconds and then they get back up. If you ragdoll an enemy, if you knock an enemy out and it hits uh, other like breakable surfaces in the game, like tables, uh, boxes, things like that, they just smash through all of that stuff. And so you just land a really satisfying right hook which deals way more knockout damage than like a gun or something. You knock that enemy, you know, tumbling head over heels into a pile of boxes and a table that's got some bottles on it. It all just like a Western movie just kind of explodes. And it's just like chaos everywhere. And then we also have like features where like you knock a guy into another guy and that deals damage. Like it just, we really want it to feel like be the cowboy that you've always wanted to be and just, you know, grab a bottle, smash it over a guy, knock him out, watch him tumble into a bunch of stuff. It, it's a, I don't know. I think it's going to, it's going to present a very fun experience for people. It sounds really fun. It sounds like, <laughs> 
I might just have to get like a PSVR two for this. <laughs> oh golly, <laughs> it's a it's I mean, a very all, cool piece of hardware. <laughs> yeah, first of all, I got to find the PS five, right? So, <laughs> yeah, right. Well, and even then, it's recently they're getting a little easier to find. But I, yeah. I have a. I'll, I'll admit this on on uh, on uh, recording. I didn't have a PS five personally until like maybe five months ago. So yeah. Uh, it's been tough. It's been tough out there to find one of those <laughs> PS5s. So I, I feel your pain. Yeah. Yeah. And um, we have another uh, question from a listener, too. Sure. His name is Sir Tater Tot. His, What's his up, Tater Tot? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's uh, David J. Tate from the Super Best Friends uh, Video Game Sleepover Podcast. Nice. Um, he was also asking, what's the most surprising challenge you and your team had to face while developing the Foglands? And uh, did anything turn out to be very easy to implement that you thought would be an absolute struggle? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, it, and it's actually hard to answer. Uh, the hardest thing so far, I think, for us has been targeting the PSVR 2 and the Quest platform, like really at the same time. Both are incredible and both have their merits and both have their strengths and weaknesses. Um, but the the kind of brass tacks of it all is one of them runs on a PS5 and the other one runs on a Quest 2. It's a it's a it's it's a, a there's a delta in in the processing and rendering power of those platforms. And so targeting both of those as a team has been like, uh, I think it's we're going to come out of it as sort of a, a bit of maybe a um, pioneer, I guess, in like shipping a game with, with both platforms targeted from day one. Um, because, yeah, you're, you're trying to reach for the sky with, you know, what you can render and what you can draw on a, a, a PS5. Um, and then you're also trying to keep yourself in the realm of mobile friendly, you know, running on an Android device. What can we really accomplish with that hardware? And how, how do we keep that gameplay experience the same if we're going to change uh, the content of the levels from platform to platform? Uh, that's That's been a big challenge. And then almost more difficult to answer is the easiest thing. Um, game development's really hard. <laughs> it's like very hard. Um, and so... Looking back at the years we've been working on this game, it's very hard to pinpoint something that was like, oh, yeah, that was easy because everything kind of feels like, wow, how did we even get here? What? Is... But the, the thing that I, I kind of arrived on, maybe switching to Unreal from a primarily Unity studio was easier than I thought. Uh, I, I think it kind of was like in part because so much of our team was eager to make that transition from unity to unreal so you know people were just sort of diving head first into making things like can i do the same thing i could do in unity um and we found now that we've worked in it for this whole game uh it's where we want to be for the remainder of the games that we make uh it's a great engine and it's a better fit for our team so you know i, I think that ended up being an easier transition than i expected I thought there was going to be a lot more like crying about about that, but it ended up a pretty smooth, smooth jump. That's that's surprising to hear. Um, so my day job, I work in like electronic health record stuff. So yeah, yeah. switching from one system to the other, so right. bad. Like it's yeah. always like, you know, resistance to change and then um, issues and all that. So it's surprising to me to hear that you went from Unity to Unreal, like completely different systems, right? Completely but, in, incompatible, yeah. like uh, yeah. in competition even. Yeah, they're they're yeah. they're like there are uh, obviously tons of philosophy and tons of learning that carries over. But when you're talking about engine syntax and you're talking about uh, interface differences, there's there's just so many things that are different about those uh, systems. That even like duplicating an item, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about this for a second. Duplicating an item in Unreal Four, you had to do Control W. Who does Control W for duplicate? Okay, it's Control D. It's always Control D. But it's okay. Tim did a tweet on this. Tim, uh, Tim, Tim knows that he made a mistake. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's it's um it's cool to hear that everybody was on board. And yeah, yeah, it's yeah, absolutely. I wish I would hear that in my own day job, but that's almost. <laughs> <not>. <laughs> I there's think always it, issues. <laughs> there's a couple things like we try. You mentioned earlier, like we're kind of more of a flat hierarchy. It, it's impossible to be truly flat hierarchy. I don't think anywhere is a flat hierarchy. I think there's moments in time where someone needs to stand up and say, hey, this is where we're going. And I think that that was one of those moments where there definitely were a lot of people saying that, but it was important to me that we made a jump from what we saw as maybe software that we had made games with a few times that had such un 
reconcilable quirks, things that we just knew we weren't ever really going to get around, making a jump to something that we had source code for and that we were confident we could learn and build on as a foundation that would be extensible like into the future. Uh, I think I needed to just say, this is what we have to do. And then kind of Cortez burn the ships, you know, like, all right, everybody uninstall Unity. <laughs> like, there's a little bit of that, like, leave your home behind and go somewhere new that uh, that was required. But I don't think at any point in time, our team was, like, dragging their feet. Everybody was on board. It was really cool. To see. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. I, I think let's plug a little bit more about the game. Like, where can people go to learn more about the game now oh yeah really yeah cool. that's important that's that's we got we do we would love it if you gave us money and we gave you a video game so eventually that's the goal uh, so let's do that um, but you can follow us on our socials you can go to welltold.io um, and there's a whole bunch of links that you can jump out to there uh, uh, most of our marketing stuff and links to blogs is going to go through that page also and then if you want to just be more up to date with sort of like the weirder ongoings of, of uh, well told and, and the community that we are trying to build and working on building go ahead and join our discord I think you just like that also has a link on our, our welltold.io page. Um, we're going to be doing a lot more announcements and more posting in general soon. There's a, a few different uh, events that we're looking to capitalize on uh, to do some marketing. So stay tuned for those. Uh, but yeah, definitely uh, hit, hit us with a wish list uh, on your preferred platform with Jane. Awesome. Awesome. So, you know, thanks so much for, you know, taking some time out of your day uh, to be on this, you know, tiny, independent no low reach podcast here no i <laughs> love the, it i'm me. i'm all about that that's where we started we get a we get solidarity <laughs> yeah it's it's so awesome to like get to talk to you and learn more about you know where you came from you know where well told came from and how the foglands uh got started and you know all the exciting things that's going to be coming out with the foglands when it's released to be respectful of your time like thank you so much for being on the podcast and um i'll put the information for the game into our show notes for people to see and we'll, we'll tweet about it too um so that they can find out more and you know learn more about the game and um check out the listing and join your discord awesome thank you so much and and i if i can really quickly just say thank you uh for for anyone listening to this podcast and some more uh, supporting creators that are independent um that are taking kind of a risk and making something weird and new um you know with our experience in vr it's a great medium for immersion and storytelling and uh, it's just an honor to create content for people that are as avid and, and hungry uh, an audience as the the people that that um, look for content like what we're. So thanks a lot to those folks, and most important, thanks to the two of you for for running. Thanks a lot, guys. Come with me if you want to live. I love, 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 I